CD 1 of 4. Welcome to the CD series titled Questions. When you are at Get Ready, Get Set, Go. Listen now as Gary answers the questions from 16 new students as they begin their journey toward becoming the best they can be in the stock market using the education received in Gary's classes. Listen and learn as these students ask some of the same 40 questions you have had or still have yourself. Remember, as Gary says, all you need to know is found in the manual, on the CD recordings, or by doing the work. Listen, absorb the information, and then put it to use as you yourselves begin to work towards your own stock market goals. And, and everybody else is, is really brand new. I mean, the reason you guys have name tags on is because I don't know who you are yet. You know? uh, you know, um, I'll, I'll remember more of you now that you're here in a smaller group, I promise. But um, it, it's really about asking new people questions. Um, the Ellis, who, who has done all the CDs, those of you who have already got the CDs, doing the recording here, the CDs, um, recording a new set, um, making it available, um, well, once it's done, it'll probably be late August before they're available as a new set. Anybody that has an old set will get a reduced price on the new sets. Um, but also, you realize you guys are asking questions for mail order students that will never get to class. It's the whole point of, of, of you guys asking the questions as new people. Um, the thing that you guys may be surprised to learn over time, since you're new, is that I promise you, you don't have any question that I haven't heard before. You know? um, and you don't have any question that everybody else hasn't had. Um, some of you, you'll, you'll sit there and be real quiet, be real quiet, and you'll just be crossing off your questions because he had it, and she had it, and she had it, and he had it, you know? It, it's a normal thing. It's the one thing that I've learned in doing the classes is how much we're all the same. It doesn't make any difference, you know, your, your country of origin, your ethnic background, uh, your life experience, your financial situation. It makes zero difference. You have the same questions, you have the same concerns, you have the same feelings about the process of doing this, and, and, and um, the obstacles along the way are the same for everybody. So your questions, um, nobody should feel um, embarrassed about your questions. Um, you can't ask questions that are um, there's a stupid question. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Um, you know, it goes back to stuff we all heard in school. The uh, stupid question is the one you didn't ask, which is was certainly true. Um, but there, there isn't, there is pretty much um, wide open territory. Um, some of you may not like the answers to your questions, but um, that's okay. You know, that's I'm what not, I was telling you. But that's part of the, the correct answer because um, the, the answer uh, is in the manual. Um, that sure most of what, um, one of the, um, one of the successful students that is at a distance, just to, those of you on the success email got the quote from that person the other day, is all you need is in the manual and the class on CD and then doing the work. That's all you need to do this, you know. Um, and all of the answers to your questions come through doing the work or it's already in the manual. And usually when somebody asks a question on email, um, I will delete the question if I know it's in the manual. 
you know, because you're not trying to find the answer. You're trying for, to get me to give you the answer. And the answer is already in the book. You know, study the material. I don't have to provide the answer. I already have it in the book. And if your questions, not today, but if your questions in the future are on email um, or, or even in class um, that are <coughs> relatively easily found from doing the work, I'm not going to answer your question. You know, um, you know when, when, when my kids come up and ask a question uh, in their schoolwork, you know, that they can figure out the answer, I'm not going to give them the answer. They're going to learn better. They're going to benefit more by going to find the answer than me giving them the answer. You know, uh, today, that's not really the case. Um, so the, the questions are pretty much yours. Do you need to do a sound test? <coughs> I'm already on? I didn't even know I was already on? Huh? <laughs> okay, habit, yeah, it is habit, okay. Um, so, um, anybody want to be first? Oh, please, somebody. <laughs> yeah, first. Do you want to go straight to questions? Yeah, just go straight to questions, exactly right. Um, and, and say your first name, don't say your last names. You know, uh, say your first name, when you took the class, where you took the class at what you do, and then ask a question. Question number one. Widows and orphans in a downtrending market. My name is Mark. I'm 45. We took the class in February in Wilmington, North Carolina. I'm an ear, nose, and throat surgeon. And my first question is, how do you do widows and orphans in a downtrending market? Okay. Um, widows and orphans um, in a downtrending market, first of all, um, you're, you're it's done the same way. All stocks aren't going down all the time. Okay, so we're looking for a point of neutral, or and then rising, and in that process, that entry point typically is going to come off of a shorter chart. If the weekly was on the bottom Bollinger Bands. <laughs> indicators low on their scale, the chances of that stock going down much more is about nil, okay? But it may not be going to be rising much. So if you were looking at a 34-minute chart, as an example, um, and seeing that 34-minute chart ready to rise, you buy the stock there. The example that I usually use in explaining that um, came from a, a bear market trade that I did. Um, I won't name the stock, because uh, I, don't, I don't want to give stock tips kind of thing. But there was a stock at $20. It was in July of the bear market. The weekly charts were, again, down the bottom of the Bollinger Bands, all the indicators very low on their scale, not about to go down anymore, but not yet ready to go up, because the market itself was going down. I looked at the 34-minute chart. The stock was at 20 bucks. Everything was ready to turn up, so I bought the stock off of a 34-minute chart. When you buy the stock for Widows and Orphans, whether it be in a downtrending market or any other market, you're going to buy, um, and you're going to you're going to buy the stock, but you're going to sell the options off of the same chart that you use to buy the stock. So 
in this example, in July of a bear market, I bought a stock at $20 off the 34-minute chart. So when I say sell the calls off of that chart, it goes back to what's in the manual. You expect to be in a 34-minute chart trade in today, out today, in today, out tomorrow. So I knew that within one market day, I was going to be selling the calls. Okay? That particular stock, within one day, went from $20 to $21. Okay? So at $21, because the market was summertime, bear market, heading down, I sold the $12.5 calls. It was very early in the month. Because it was early in the month, you could have sold next month's options, but because it was very early in the month, I sold that month's options. They paid me about 50 cents in time value. I made a dollar, the dollar from 20 to 21 was paid to me, plus 50 cents in time value. Now, by the third Friday of that month, the stock was $13. I had sold the $12.5 calls, and I was called out of that stock. Now, I had the opportunity, the choice, to evaluate, is that movement going to continue down, or is that movement done, going down? If it was done going down, I could have bought those calls back and still kept this stock. And as it rose, I could sell the calls again next month on this stock. I could have evaluated this stock was still going down, bought the calls back, and then sold deeper in the money, managing the position as it goes down. Or I could have no faith in this movement and allow myself to be called out of the stock, which is exactly what I did. The stock ended at about $12.90, and I was called out of the stock at $12.50. Because I made $1.50 on a $20 stock, that's more than 5%. And the goal is 5%. And Widows and Orphans isn't hard to do in any market if you realize the goal is 5%. Everything over 5% is just gravy. It's just simply gravy. And so in a downtrending market, uptrending market, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. What, what is done differently is that you're going to take a slight rise, and then you're going to sell deep in the money calls so that you are either called out if it goes down, okay, and not uh, uh, not below your price, or if it goes to your price, you're going to buy them back to be able to sell a lower or sell the stock outright and still end up with a 5% profit. If you keep focused on the goal is 5%, as long as you've made the 5%, that is the objective. And where, where a lot of students um, trip in the downtrending market is they, they don't realize that when you've sold that $12.5 call, in, per my example, the money they paid you, you're not, as long as you're getting more than what you paid for it in cumulative of equaling 5%, that is the objective. So that stock going to 13 and being called out at 12.5 was still better than 5% return on that $20 because I got paid the difference between 12 and a half and 21, which was the dollar rise in the stock, plus the 50 cents of time value. So it's about selling in the money as opposed to selling out of the money.
Okay, it's a big difference. And then understanding, and this is a big, big understanding that, that all students need to, to realize, especially new students, is the difficulty in doing widows and orphans diminishes when you realize that the chart you used to make the decision to buy the stock is the chart that should be used to sell the calls under the same criteria as if you had bought calls. And when I, when I say under that same criteria, we understand that if we bought off of a 34-minute chart, if we bought calls, we expect to be closing that position in today, out today, in today, out tomorrow. If you bought off a 55-minute chart, then you know that within four business days, you're going to be getting out of that 55-minute chart trade. So if you bought the stock off of a 55-minute chart, then you're going to be expecting to sell the calls off the 55-minute charts. Under those same rules, under those same guidelines, you're going to be selling the calls within four business days. If you bought off the 233, then typically it's going to be with at least a day and a half, but up to 10 days when you would be selling those calls. And you're going to be selling the calls off of the exact same chart that you bought the stock with. And it, it, it gets so much easier to do once you focus on that. And, and too many students want, want to start looking all up and down, where do I sell the calls, where do I sell the calls? If you made the decision to buy the stock off the 34, then you're going to sell calls off the 34. If you made the decision off the 55, you're going to sell off the 55, off the 233, off the 233, off the daily, off the daily. And it's so much easier to do what is orphans in any market, if you realize that. Question number two, widows and orphans using options express. My name's Catherine. I'm from Enfield, a little town about a half an hour from here. Um, I started last July, so I've taken the class four times. Um, to, to follow up on his question, I have going to start looking to do some widows and orphans plays this fall. So mm -hmm. I have just started, since I got your telephone call, I've been doing practice widows and orphans plays, but to figure out how to do it on the computer through mm -hmm. Options Express. Mm -hmm. And the, the screen, if you will, to, that mm -hmm. you use, um, do you use the covered call? I never use the covered call. Okay. That, because when I've been playing with it, it seems like there they want you to sell the calls. Now. Right that minute. That's right. Okay. That's what I thought. That's right. So do you just use the, the uh, stock, stock page to, to buy, buy, and then that and goes in your... That goes in your portfolio. Okay. And then when it's time to sell, I'm going to sell to open a position. With your regular options With page. your regular options page. Okay. Their software will pick up the fact that you own 1,000 shares of Intel. Okay. And, it, and you're going to sell 10 contracts. Right. It'll check. You know, you, you're, you're, you've got the shares. That's not a problem. Now, um, you, you do have to be careful um, if you are cleared to do naked trading. And I know most, none of you, except you, have been in the advanced class yet. Um, but uh, we talk about naked trading in the advanced class. We're not going to talk about it here. Uh, it's a new person question. It's not a new person area per se. But as you get cleared to do naked trading, then you do have to be careful when you sell your calls, because once you're cleared to trade naked, you can sell something you don't own. Okay. Well, if you owned a thousand shares of Intel, and you accidentally typed in a second zero mm -hmm. when you were trying to sell 10 contracts, mm -hmm. you'll sell 100 contracts. Right. 
that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. So, I mean, with the um, ability to do more advanced stuff comes the responsibility to do more advanced stuff. And you have to be certain that, you know, if you have a thousand shares, that that is a one and a zero that you type in and not one and two zeros that you typed in because it, it, once you're cleared to trade naked, it won't care. Now, until you're cleared to trade naked, it, it will look and go, hold it, you only have a thousand shares, you can't sell a hundred contracts. Okay, because it will see what you have. Now, the thing that you all have to be aware of, and it isn't, it isn't Options Express, it isn't Preferred Trade, it isn't E-Trade, it doesn't make any difference to your brokerage service. Whatever you do on the computer, you're responsible for. Okay, you cannot automatically assume that the software will protect you so that even if you're not cleared to trade naked, if you typed in accidentally the second zero and the trade went through, you're trading naked, even if you're not cleared to. Okay, So it is your responsibility when you type something into that computer and hit enter, you're responsible for the results of that trade. Okay, whether you did it correctly, didn't do it correctly, you know, as far as our trading rules go, or whether you type something in wrong and their software allowed you to do something it shouldn't have allowed you to do, you are still going to be responsible for that trade, regardless. Um, but no, I, I never do the cover call page because the exact problem that you've just suggested, they want you to buy the stock and sell the calls now without sitting on the piano which is never the right way to do covered calls. I have burned yeah. the computer up trying to figure out how to not sell the calls off of that screen. Well, now, now something else that you need to be aware of, um, and, and I'm glad you brought it up as far as Options Express go, Options Express is a terrific brokerage service. It's the, the, the virtual trading that they have there is as close as you're ever going to get to real money trading without dropping a real dime in the market. But there are glitches in their system, in their software, that um, on their virtual trades that just don't show up in real life trading. There's some things that you would try to practice on Options Express that you can't, you can't practice on their virtual trade. You cannot practice the printing press as taught in the class because we want to sell calls under the price and let it fall to us, okay? If you sell the calls under the price, their software will immediately call you out of the stock. That doesn't happen in real life, okay? I mean, I mean yes, you can be called out, you know, but it isn't likely to happen in real life. On their virtual trading, it would happen instantly. You would be called out of the stock. How, how can you print stock, print money out of a stock if it calls you out instantly? I would agree. On that software, it doesn't pick up the fact that the market is going down. It picks up the fact that you've sold a call underneath what the stock is trading at, and you are called out of that stock instantly. There's some situations that take place on some stock splits there that going into the stock split, it is um, picking everything up fine. Past the stock split, it might pick it up fine, or it might not. 
it, it might split your options and not split the stock price. So all of a sudden you have twice as many at, at, at half the, the strike price, but the same stock price. It looks like you just made a million dollars. I've had more new students email me. They love this stock market thing because they did a practice trade on Options Express on a stock split, had 20 contracts, went through a two-for-one stock split, and made a million dollars in the last two days. That ain't never going to happen. Okay, if, if you look like you got rich on a trade, something ain't right. Okay, it just is never going to happen. You need to be aware of that. All of you need to be aware of that. Okay. Question number three. Piano sitting for a 5% widows and orphans play. My name is Douglas. I'm an engineer. We took the class in April. I've got another question about widows and orphans as well. Mm -hmm. We say we, we buy the stock mm -hmm. and then we wait for the stock to start to rise mm -hmm. and then we sell the call. That's correct. Is there a, and we're looking for about a 5% return, is, are we looking? We're looking for at least a 5%. At least a 5% return. So mm -hmm. are we waiting for the stock to rise by 5%? Or are you just waiting for it to start rising and then we get, I remember the story about the piano, but I can't remember how long you have to sit on it for. Well, the, 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 the question uh, really goes back to how long we sit on the piano is based upon <coughs> what chart did we buy the stock from. If we bought the stock off of a 34-minute chart, we're sitting on the piano a day, period and we're selling the calls, okay? That would typically be something that would be in the thinly traded summertime market where and, and the rise may not be 5%, the total cumulative return from selling the calls and getting called out at that strike price equals at least 5%. That is the objective, okay? So the stock might not rise the whole 5%, but what we got from selling the option Plus that strike price, getting called out at that strike price, gives us a total cumulative return of at least 5%. That's the objective, okay? It, how long we sit on the piano is expressly determined by what chart did you use to buy the stock with. If you bought the stock off of a daily chart, you're going to be sitting on the piano for days. You know, days that could turn into weeks, as, is, as it says in the manual under charting criteria, under charting discipline. If, if, if you bought the stock off of a daily chart, then you're going to be expecting to sit on the piano for days that could turn into weeks before you actually sold the calls. If you bought, again, going to the other extreme, off of the 34-minute chart, you're going to sell the calls within one complete market day. If you bought it at 2 o'clock today, you're going to be expecting to sell the calls by 2 o'clock tomorrow. That just is what we're trying to accomplish there. And it is a total cumulative return. The stock might go up 5%, but it might only go up 4% plus what you get from the options gets you more than 5%. It is a total cumulative return that we're looking for, not just the stock rising 5%. And it, we, widows and orphans isn't about the 5%. That is our objective. Too many people um, really get uh, their head bitten off when they ask a question in class um, or, or at the, on the break when they have bought a stock, the stock has risen 5%, so they sold the stock. They think they did widows and orphans. That isn't widows and orphans. That's ocean tide. That is a trading leg thing. Okay. Widows and orphans is we bought the stock and we the stock rose, 
we sold the calls and we were called out of the stock, or we had to buy the calls back and then sell the calls again or, or whatever. We, we managed that trade. It is not just buying the stock and selling the stock and making 5%. Widows and Orphans is about selling the options. Now, every Widows and Orphans trade, you will not, just as I sit on the piano in class and, and say, okay, this, this stock went from 15 to 17, and we evaluated it's no longer doing what we wanted to do, so we sold the stock. It was an intelligent thing to do to sell the stock, but we don't consider that a successfully completed Widows and Orphans trade. We consider it a smart decision to sell the stock. It wasn't doing what we wanted it to do. Even if we made 5%, it is not a successfully completed Widows and Orphans trade. It's a smart way to act in the market. It is not, it should not be considered a successful widows and orphans trade. A successful widows and orphans trade, buying the stock, sitting on the piano, selling the calls, and being called out of the stock. That is a successfully completed widows and orphans trade. That doesn't mean that every widows and orphans trade that we enter, we're going to be able to sell the calls because we're going to we're going to buy some stocks. It's going to start to rise. We're going to be looking at those charts. This thing is not going up anymore. It hasn't gone to a place where we make 5%. We got to sell this stock. This employee isn't doing their job. This employee is fired. We can't walk away from that and go, okay, it was a successfully completed widows and orphans trade. It was a smart thing to do to fire that employee, but it wasn't a successfully completed Widows and Orphans trade. And so it's, it's all about sitting on the piano, the, the length of time that is outlined in your manual in the charting discipline section based upon whatever chart you use to make the decision to buy the stock in the first place. It really comes down to the answers in your manual the answers in the manual. Um, most of the answers that we're going to have are in the manual. If you, if you stop and realize that we're not, we're not going to buy anything, whether we're buying call options or we're buying stock, without a charting reason to do so. We have to have that charting component. So whatever chart was our decision chart, that becomes our decision chart to do the next thing, whether it be to, to sell the, we bought the option, we're selling the option, or we bought the stock and we're selling the option if we're doing a, a covered call with us Norpins. That chart that we use to make the decision B is the decision chart. It's the decision chart now, but it's the decision chart for the next decision too, whether it be to get out of this position, whether it be to sell the option. It's still the decision chart. So it's all in the same chart. Question number four. What to watch while piano sitting? So the sitting and waiting is waiting to make sure that the stock is going and doing what you want it to do, and if it's not doing it, then that would dictate an exit. Well, if it's not doing it, certainly we want to exit. If it is doing it, we're also watching it do its thing on that chart without losing um, the understanding of that if we see a 55-minute chart, and you, can, you guys can go look and... and this, uh, you're going to hear me reference the RTP classes a lot in this, and this isn't really meant to be an advertisement, but uh, one of the things that RTP students are, are, are learning and, and realizing is that, you know, the 55-minute chart, the trade goes for four days, maximum. They don't all go there, but maximum, they're four days. 
You know, and, I mean, and time after time again, we, we have a 55-minute decision here, it went four days. 55-minute decision here, it went four days. 55-minute decision here, it went two days. 55-minute decision, it went two days. 55-minute decision went four days. It is the rarest exception for us to talk about a 55-minute decision that went five days. So if, if you're in a widow's and orphan's play and you bought the option off of a 55-minute chart, then you've got to expect that after four days, this movement is going to be ended. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go for the full four days. But during that four days, you're going to be expecting this to be over. You're going to be sitting on the piano. If it's doing its thing, if it's going up, you're going to be sitting back watching it go up, cheering that puppy on, go, 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 go. But at the same time, you, you can't lose sight of the fact you bought this off a 55-minute chart Within four days, you're going to be expecting to sell the options on this because it was done on a 55-minute chart. So the length of time on the piano is, is watching it do what it's doing, but it's also paying attention to it if it's not, so you fire the employee. No question. No question. Question number five, Buffett method and ensuring the vault. Hi, I'm Lillette. Took the class in Raleigh in April. And... Um, I have a couple of questions, actually. Well, we'll, we'll I'll make do more than one round here, I <laughs> promise. Right. Um, I have a question about the Buffett method. Do you do the Buffett method in your vault stocks and insure it at the same time? Yes. You do? Yes. Well, let me, let me clarify that a little bit. <clears throat> sometimes. Okay? I say sometimes. Insurance is done when the weekly charts are indicating that the thing's going to go down for potentially weeks. Okay? Mm -hmm. Buffett method would be done when the stock is going down, but you, the Buffett method might be done when there isn't insurance because you're, you're trying to make, we'll say, a quarter, like on a GE. Um, GE is going to back up a dollar and a half. That dollar and a half isn't necessarily going to come at a time when the weekly charts indicate that you should have insurance on this. But that backup, maybe the backup is coming off of a, a 233 chart, and you can see it's going to go down. You can sell the calls and buy them back easily a quarter cheaper, okay, and make that quarter share on GE without having insurance on that. At the same time, Insurance on GE is going to last for months. Um, you can go look. Um, the RTP students know we talk about insurance a lot in there. Um, but you can go look in early January on GE, look at the weekly charts, and you'll see it at the top of bulge bands. And you can go, you can, you can put your net worth. Gary insured his GE right there. There's no question about that, okay? Well, it's now May. The insurance is still there. There's been Buffett method every single month. Okay, If the weekly charts weren't in a position in January to insure, there wouldn't be insurance. But there would have been Buffett method January, February, March, April, and May. So it isn't necessarily done at the same time, but the Buffett method will certainly be done while it's insured. It isn't, you have to do both at the same time. One, again, my insurance on GE 
has been going on for more than five months because of the condition of the weekly charts. If the weekly charts hadn't reached that level until now, I still would have done Buffett Method in January, February, and March, and April, but the insurance would be going on now because of the weekly charts being in a, in a position just reaching an insurance level. So they, it will go on while you have insurance, but just because you're doing the Buffett Method doesn't necessarily mean that you should be insured at the same time. Uh, the Buffett Method is, is, is really we're trying to, we're trying to squeeze a quarter it's generally what I try to do is trying to make a quarter on big chart downs. And I say big chart downs. I love to do the 233 chart for my Buffett method stuff. Okay, The play is going to last a while. And I don't have to babysit it so much. I can sell the calls and put a good till cancel to buy it back for a quarter cheaper. You know, and, and virtually walk away from the thing because it's such an obvious down that's going to take place there. That doesn't necessarily mean that the weekly chart would have been in position for me to have insurance at the same time. Okay, Obviously, just like my GE example, I've had insurance on GE. You can, again, go back and look. Early January, top of the Bollinger Bands, GE, it's about 36 bucks there at that point in time. And you, you got to insure there. Because the next the next possibility is down, so you got to insure there. You know, if if the weekly charts weren't in that position, I would have still done Buffett method in January, but I wouldn't have had insurance. Okay, um, but certainly I'll be doing Buffett method while I have the insurance. Okay. Question number six: Charting a fat pitch or a home run fat pitch with vertical line. My name is Kevin. I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia, and I took the class in April. I have a question about charting in Q charts. Okay. I'm looking at Q charts for a stock, my decision time period, 55 minute chart. Do all four indicators have to be crossing on the exact same candle to make the trade, or do I have leeway of a candle or two either way? You don't have any leeway for it to be a fat pitch or home run fat pitch. You draw a vertical line, it goes through the crosses, it is or it isn't, okay? Now, that said, that's where all of you begin. And that's where all students begin. As new students, that is a technical question. You literally draw a straight line, it either crosses there or it doesn't, okay? It's not a fat pitch or home run fat pitch if the crosses didn't happen at the same time, okay? now. As you develop your ability in doing this, then you start to learn to tell the story. We talk about telling the story in the class, where all of the research and everything else comes into play. You know, the history on the stock, what's the market doing, everything coming to bear there. As you start bringing everything to bear there, then you'll go, well, I got some of these crossing now. The others look like they're about ready. With this whole story, I have a trade. But you can never call that a fat pitch or a home run fat pitch because that is strictly a technical question. The line's got to go through the cross. If the line didn't go through the cross, it's not a fat pitch or a home run fat pitch. Technical question. That doesn't mean you can't do trades there as you have developed the story around the, that chart being ready to cross, crossing some not quite there, full story. That's a trade. And there are far more trades 
then there are going to be fat pitches or home run fat pitches. As new students learning to read the charts, it's strictly draw a vertical line. Did it go through? Did it not? If it didn't, leave it alone until you can develop the story around it. Once you can develop the story around it, there's a lot more trades for you to do. Question number seven. Action chart for the 233 decision chart. My name's Laura. I'm also from Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, I wrote in my manual that the 233 is only a decision chart. I did not read anywhere in my manual which action chart goes with that. That's a great question um, because it's not in there. <laughs> so that's very good. Um, eight minute works great. Um, if you find um, that the eight is too noisy, and what I mean by too noisy, if you're getting a lot of up and down, that, that you're jumping in a little bit too early on your trade, then you want to change that to a 13-minute chart for your action chart. But um, eight works fine. Um, you'll learn over time, in all likelihood, that that. If you're using the 8, because you can use the 8 there, you can use the 8 with 55 as opposed to having another charting time frame to look at. But you have to learn to be patient off of using the 8 when you're using the 233 mm -hmm. because it, it's such um, a, a difference in, in time frame. We're talking about a half a day to every 8 minutes as far as candles being formed. Um, if you think about it, the way that the the... the decision and action charts are broken out in class if you're using eight for every decision candle basically you have seven approximately mm -hmm. action candles okay so if you have a half a day and you go to a 13 minute candle you're close okay, okay? All right but eight minute allows you to use the same action chart for 55 and the 233 um, but you have to be a little more patient, you know, and, and make sure that, and, and here's the real, here's the real thing that, that you guys need to be paying attention to. Um, it's about the indicators, okay? And too many of you will jump your action point because you'll draw a trend line on the candles, that trend line is broken, and you want to jump into the trade. It's where, what are your indicators doing? Okay, if the indicators are about to turn after that trend line is broken, that is the, actually the entry point. Okay, but you can have a trend line broken by a stock going sideways. A stock can be going sideways without the indicators being ready to turn up yet or down yet, depending on the direction that you're going. And it's all about the indicators, it's not about the trend line. You have to draw the trend line on the action chart, but the, the trade doesn't begin on the break of that trend line. The trade begins when those indicators are ready to go, okay, or are going. So, it's in my view, it's better to wait to draw the trend line until the indicators are about ready to go. And if you do that, you won't typically be um, jumping in to the action point mm -hmm. too early. 
most people that get into a trade too early are drawing a trend line on their candles, and as soon as that trend line is broken, they're entering a trade, and almost every time when a new student comes up and goes, well, I got in right here, but it, it went down a little bit more before it actually turned up, I look at their indicators right there and go, yeah, but see, your indicators were not indicating it was time to get in yet. And it, yeah, but my trend line was broken. Your trend line was broken by a stock going sideways. Your indicators were, were not ready to go up yet. And, and, and again, using, a, using an entry to go up. Um, and you gotta wait for the indicators on that action chart after the trend line is broken. And too many folks, far too many folks, get so focused on that trend line, it's about the indicators. It's about the indicators. Um, one of the things that um, you guys will all probably get to a point, um, most students do, where I tell you you have to turn off your candles on your cue charts. Oh man, you all see the big eyes I just got in this room. Ha! Ah, turn off my candles. You know, but it's not about the candles. And usually when I get a student that's so focused on the candles, I tell them they have to turn their candles off. And, you know, and, and I'm not going to tell you how to turn your candles off right now because what I want, <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Yeah, but what I, what I want you to understand is it's not about the candles. And what every person that has turned their candles off realizes, all of your emotions are wrapped up in a red candle, or a white candle. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's bad. All because of the color of the candle. And the instant there are no candles, all the emotions are gone. You can't have emotions without seeing what the price is. See, your emotions are wrapped up in, hey, the market's going up. Hey, the market's going down. My trade's going up. My trade's going down. You know, it's all wrapped up in those candles. Well, when I hear people wrapped up in the candles, I tell them to take their candles off. Now what do they have to focus on? Indicators. The indicators. The only thing they should have been focusing on in the first place. And they find out they have lots more patience. <laughs> they have much more discipline. They have much more patience waiting for a trade to get there. And then they get to a point where, you know, the candles don't make any difference. And then I say, okay, now you need to put the candles back up there. Because there are things that you, that you will learn later as we go through this process. Those of you that, that, that continue on, go to the, the, the advanced class in December and then go to the RTP classes or whatever. There are things we do with the candles that are important. But they are not the focus. They never are. It's the indicators. And now think about it. How would you draw a trend line without candles? Right. See, so it can't be about the trend line. It's about the indicators. It's about the indicators. Um, and if you, if you focus on the indicators, you won't get jumpy using an eight-minute action chart, and therefore you wouldn't have to go to a 13. Okay? So um, if you focus on the indicators, eight-minute chart. If, if, you get, if you focus on the candles, you're probably going to need to go to a 13-minute chart to, to take out a little bit of the noise, the up-and-down movement that takes place. But 233 chart, Eight-minute action chart, I think you'll like your results. You focus on the indicators. Okay. okay? Question number eight. Position of indicators on monitors. Can I make one observation? I noticed when we were out in your office, your indicators, the way you have your screen set up, where the 
uh, stock RSI, the MACD, I mean your, your spacing was much bigger for your indicators and smaller for where your actual candles were? Well, actually it's supposed to be even. I'm just lousy at even. And, and, and really what, what took place, um, most of you don't realize, but I used to have, uh, until last year, last year? Yeah, until last year, uh, I ran all that stuff off of 56K modem. You know, I didn't have any kind of broadband whatsoever. Went from 56K to T1 line. You know? And when you're, you're training off, when you're training off 56K modem off of that kind of real estate as far as those four monitors goes, it takes forever to populate back in time. So you had a lot of, I mean, candles were big. Okay? Well, the second I went to a T1 line, I mean, I populated a daily chart all the way back to its inception on, on QCharts software. So my candles went like this big. So then I started spacing out so I'd get some bigger stuff in there, and now I'd have them out of proportion to the way they're supposed to be. What they should be on your screen, in my opinion, one-fourth of your screen should be candles, one-fourth of your screen should be stock RSI, one-fourth of your screen should be um, the MACD, and one-fourth of your screen should be the directional indicator. And it should be spaced out evenly so that you don't have, and if you think about it, it isn't the candles I'm looking at. It's the Christmas cross. That indicator, okay, gets one-fourth of the page. Okay, it isn't the candles getting one-fourth of the page, it's the Christmas cross getting one-fourth of the page, it's the stock or side getting one-fourth of the page, it's the MACD getting one-fourth of the page, and it's the directional indicator getting one-fourth of the page. It's so not the candles. Well, my, my is set up so the candle part is much bigger and the indicator part was much smaller. That's exactly I wrong. I realized out there I was focusing on the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't focusing, putting this bunch weight on the indicators. It's the indicators. The candles. It's exactly right. And that's what I noticed on the Yeah, but mine aren't, mine aren't, I've, I've got to, right I've got to get a better space, but they're supposed to be one-fourth, one-fourth, and one-fourth. Question number nine, reading the trend, decision, and action charts. I'm Jennifer. Uh, we live in Charlotte, and I took the Greensboro class in April. Um, and my question kind of is following with some of these folks about the charts. <clears throat> I'm having a hard time figuring out um, what I'm trying to pull out of a trend chart, um, the decision chart, and the action chart so that I know how to make a decision when I start to trade. Um, when you're asking, when you're talking about the trend line, um, what am I getting from that? Just how the market's moving um, and no, what direction? I mean, it's, it's just the some direction the stock is going. Um, because, again, we're, we'll use real simple um, Weekly trend, daily decision, twenty-one minute action. Okay. Just, just for an example purpose. Okay. Okay. That's the what I got down here. Weekly, that when when you're looking at, at those indicators going down, when you're looking at uh, the the trend line going down, it's going to be going down for weeks. That's not going to change tomorrow. Okay. So the direction for that stock for weeks is going to be down. So now you're looking at a daily chart. Well, a daily chart will go up and down over days, not weeks. Okay. So it's gone up, 
and the trend is going down, you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting, okay, and then it, it reaches a, a top on that daily and it starts to turn down. When all your indicators cross going down, your trend was already going down. Your daily chart is now going down. That's invasion force trade. Okay. That's a trade you gotta be in. That's a decision made to buy a put to go down. Okay, okay that now, helped. All right. Now, instantly at that okay. point, you got to go to your action chart. Okay. Which, when, once you've made that decision, your candles are going down, that 21-minute chart's been going down for seven hours. It's going to be at the bottom of the Bollinger Bands. It's going to be at the low end of the scale in the 21-minute chart. Well, what comes after the bottom? Nothing goes up. It goes up. So you got to wait on that up, that back up on that 21-minute chart until that 21 starts to turn over. Once that 21 starts to turn over going down, that's where you enter your puts. So you actually are going to wait. See, this is where I get – see, I'm afraid that if I took that same scenario without you telling what to do, I would have gone in when I saw it going down the first time and not waited for it to back up because I would have been afraid, well, is it going to back up? Do you see what I'm it's saying? It's going to back up. You promise? <laughs> it's going to back up. And the point is... See, I looked at your it, example, and I'm like, well, how do I know it's going to back up? I mean, it's just a little tiny back up. Do you know what I'm saying? It, it, only, it only has to be a little tiny like back up sometimes. one sometime. thing sometimes. Well, one, 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 daily chart, one daily candle... Okay, yeah. ...is <laughs> seven hours of 21-minute candles. Okay. So if you had a red candle that gave you a decision to go down... Right. And the next day was a white candle. It's taken that, that bottom of the okay. Bollinger Band to the top of the Bollinger Band on that 21-minute chart. Okay. When that turns over, again, weekly charts go for what? Weeks. Weeks. Daily charts go for days. Okay. And 21-minute charts go for 21-minute periods, but for several of those all day long. Okay. So all you're doing is, is realizing that backup is taking it to the top of the Bollinger Band it's on the at 21. The top, then. And now it's at the top of the Bollinger Band on the 21-minute chart. The daily is still going down, and it's going to go for days. So this backup to the 21, now it's turning over. Now you're going to enter that trade to go down because the daily is stronger than the 21. The weekly is stronger than the daily. Okay, so when I look at that daily chart, I know I need to get in at a put. So that tells me, I start looking at the trends, and I see weekly, daily, it's going down. So I know I need to do a put at that well, point. That tells me what I'm going to go in I mean, it, it is a specific point on that daily chart. You know, here's a question. When everything is crossing right, going down. Pitch, right, that, that I, pitch, right. That pitch, I get, the, I get pitch, the Christmas cross okay, for some when reason. When you've got that, okay, that going down, that decision is made, you need to buy a put. Okay. okay? You don't buy a put right then. Because when, every single time when that daily decision gives you the place to buy a put, right. the 21 is going to be at the bottom. The 21-minute chart has been going down for hours. Okay. Okay? It's going to be on the bottom. So it's going to have to get up to come back down. So you wait for it to back up. When it turns over on the 21, then you're going to get into that put play. The decision was made on the daily. The action was taken on the 21. And you wait no longer than about three days if you're doing that 21-minute chart to get out of that trade, right? You're not doing a 21. You're doing a daily trade. Okay. See, the action was taken on the 21. It's the decision chart 
that determines how long, how long you you're going to be there. Okay. And okay. Uh, again, in the charting discipline in your manual, okay, it, it tells you that if you're doing a trade off of the daily chart, the trade is going to last four days, anywhere from one day, to though usually at least three, up to turning into weeks. Okay. You could literally be in a trade for weeks, especially during the fall winter trading zone. When do I know to get out, Gary? Just up a buck and out? Until you're bored being right. That's exactly where you're supposed okay. to get out. All right. That is exactly where you're supposed to get. And, and you know, when you come up and go, I'm so sick and tired of getting out up a buck. I'm right all the time. Now it's time to, to start evaluating the charts a little bit better. But, okay. You know, you, you, can get, you can get real fat and happy at, at up a buck and out. All right, as long as we know, we go over this whenever I get done with that, so I know when to get out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but, I mean, when, you char so when, you, when your charts tell you to leave, it's time to leave. <clears throat> You know, when that daily chart says it's no longer going down, it's time to be out of that play. See, nothing, it doesn't matter to the weekly, it doesn't matter to the 21, it's all about the decision chart. Okay. You just go right back to the decision chart Everything to get out. goes back to the decision okay. chart. Get in on the decision, get, get out, out on the decision. Get out on the decision. That's exactly right. You take action on the, the, the little chart, the 21. The trend was the big chart, the weekly. The decision here was the daily. The daily decided to get in. The daily decided to get out. Okay. Okay. After your board being right up a buck. Okay. You know, um, my suggestion, and it's really not mine, it's just passing on that suggestion of successful students, um, is you should never decide that your board being right until you've been right 25 consecutive times in a row up a buck and out and have the discipline to do that. And I said one of my uh, students loves to play golf and, and loves to go watch um, the professionals play and um, said that, you know, Tiger Woods, as an example, um, has a ritual that when he finishes a round of golf, he goes to the practice green and he will not get off the practice screen until he's hit 100 putts in a row. And if he's done 99 and misses the next one, he starts over. It's a discipline thing. So if you're right 24 times in a row and you're wrong <coughs> on the next trade, you're starting back over at zero until you're right 25 consecutive times in a row, up a buck and out, you shouldn't be bored yet. At that point in time, then you can look at changing where you're leaving at. Now, let's adjust that up a buck and out a little bit, too. Um, in the summertime training zone, you can get less than a buck. The market is thin in the summertime. Don't be sitting there. Um, it, it, those of you that, that have the Voices of Arena uh, uh, CDs or that get those, um, you'll hear one of the, the people on, on the... CDs say that they were up 95 cents and didn't get out of the trade, even though they knew the charts were going against them because they were going to get a buck. You know, um, if it's at 95 cents, call it a dollar. We'll call it a dollar, okay? And we'll just tell you we're up a buck and out, okay, at 95 cents. If, if necessary, we'll call 70 cents a dollar. If the charts are going against you at 70 cents, call it done in the summertime. 
You know, now, you have to be much more tolerant of the market in the fall winter because it's going to move for a lot longer periods of time and much bigger moves. Okay. So summertime, you're up a buck and out, might be up 50 cents and out, and considered it correct. <coughs> okay. Question number 10. Owning calls on expiration Friday. All right, my name is Brian. I took the Richmond class, and I actually took it in October and then again this April. And in the last class, I think it was class five, you talked about the danger of going past Drop Dead Friday mm -hmm. and the fact that your brokerage service can buy you the stock if you own the calls. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that in further detail? Um, well, I don't know that I can explain it in any further detail than I did, but I will go over it again. Um, basically, all brokerage services, as, a, as what they consider a service to you, if you own an option that is in the money on expiration Friday, by, and most of them have some, some variances in, 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 in money, but most of them are by a quarter. If it's a quarter in the money, then they're going to exercise the option for you as a benefit to you, assuming that you, because again, if you own a call option, as an example, that's giving you the right to buy stock at a specific price, okay? So if you own the $30 calls and the stock price was $30.25, then they're going to, as what they consider a benefit to you, exercise your calls at 4 o'clock on expiration Friday, and buy you the stock at $30 a share. That's what your call allows you to do. They assume it's a benefit to you. And if you own a put, they would sell stock for you, selling it short, okay? Um, which is, again, you don't want to do that, and you never have to go there if you follow the rules in the manual because you'll be out of those calls by Drop Dead Friday. You never have to sweat it. Never is an issue. And the reality, if you own a call, you're trading, this isn't Widows and Orphans covered calls, where we've sold calls, but where you've owned the call, or you own the put, for that matter, either one, okay, you start losing so much time decay that last week anyway, you don't need to be there. Time decay is going to eat you alive. And you'll have the stock rise. And your option not rise, your option might even lose money that week simply because you still owned it. The reality is, and one of the things that um, this isn't specific RTP information that, that you guys aren't you know, supposed to know or, or have, having um, um, the, the right to understand, um, one of the things that I've, I've tried to explain to folks, if you if you buy an option, if you bought an option, if you bought October options right now, you're never supposed to see the month of October. The only reason you're buying October is to buy that rear end loaded time decay. You're, bu you're buying a, a fight with Barney Five time decay as opposed to Rambo time decay. Okay? And you're never supposed to arrive in October with that option. You know, it's a mistake if you've arrived in October with that option in the first place, okay? By all means, if you own it past Drop Dead Friday, you just need to sign a waiver and let us all come beat the crap out of you for doing that, okay? Because it's the dumbest thing in the world to do, to have an option that's in the money that past week and still own it because it's, it's not going to do anything but 
eliminate the rest of the time value that's there. Okay. You know, um, and, and you, you just don't go there. Just don't go there. You don't have to worry about it if you just close it out, you know, before Drop Dead Friday. In the reality, the most successful students buy time, but they trade. They buy time, but they, they trade um, in much shorter duration. Uh, they'll buy an October option and sell it in, in a week. They'll buy an October option and sell it in four weeks from now because they just want to fight the rear-end loaded time decay. Um, I have a, a student that, um, and all of you new students, all of you have, have the manual, um, saw a slam play early this spring. And when she went in to look at the options, she actually bought an option that expired a year from now and sold it the same day, up a buck, you know? And the, 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 when you realize how much time decay took place that day on that option? None. None. Yeah. None. It didn't expire a year from now. Nothing happened to that option today as far as time decay, okay? But that stock bounced up really hard because it was a slam. It bounced really hard, <coughs> and she made a dollar a share on that option, and she had a year to own the option, but she sold it by four o'clock. And she can go back in and do that same trade the very next day. Uh, you could, but you wouldn't because it's it's not going to bounce every day. I mean, it was the slam play, but she she could. That's right. You you ask a question that brings me um, um, to mind something that all of you need to be aware of. Um, some of you. Um, or in a financial position that, that you wouldn't necessarily need to know this, but all, the, all everybody on the CDs will need to know this anyway. Um, the brokerage services um, have a um, policy. It's, it's not brokerage services. It's the SEC really has the policy. Um, if you trade more than three times in five days, they will consider you a pattern day trader and you will be prohibited from doing trading except at a cash value, okay? Uh, and I say that, um, if you follow the rules, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. Because again, two trades a week is gonna give you eight trades a month. You're supposed to be doing five to 10 on average in the first place. You should never face the problem, okay? You can do as many as three trades in five days and not face a problem. If you do the fourth trade within the five days, then they're gonna consider you a pattern day trader and they will curtail your trading uh, on purpose. And uh, when, I, when they first um, put that rule in effect, it's been in effect for quite a while, but when they first put it into effect, I was really upset about it, but <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more I, I like the rule because it forces you to do this as you're supposed to. Okay, and just do a couple of real money trades a week, you'll be just fine. You'll never have to face that, okay? Uh, you should be aware if, if you're trading, let's say the OEX and there are, are, are three or four trades in a week, you're gonna be, you know, bumped up right against the door before they, they're gonna get a little, you know, you know, notice from your broken service that we're gonna curtail your trading for a while, you know, because you're trading too much. Now, that, Rule is eliminated when you have a, uh, an account balance of twenty-five thousand dollars or more. 
$25,000 more, you can trade all you want to. Okay, so it's terrific for small traders because it forces you to do this like you're supposed to and not what? Trade what? Too what? Much. Not trade too much. It's the biggest mistake that students make is you trade too much. Okay? And one of the things that I've said to the, the RTP class, just to get the point across to them too, and I'm saying it in all the one through five classes right now, and see, this is uh, Saturday. It's uh, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, let's see. How many of you uh, went to Walmart today? You went to Walmart today? Yes. Okay. All right. One person out of 16 people sitting here went to Walmart today. Uh, I went. Okay. Two. Okay. Understand. Okay. Two people out of 16. Anybody else now want to fess up? Okay. Understand. Okay. I thought about it. But, but two people out of 16. Do you understand? They were open all day. They had stuff for sale. They had stuff on sale. But you chose not to go. Why? Didn't need to go, didn't have anything that you need to pick up. Okay, understand. Market's going to be open all day Monday. Going to be open all day Tuesday, going to be open all day Wednesday, all day Thursday, all day Friday. Okay, it's going to be open all day every day. Doesn't mean you have to go participate. If you'll choose when to participate at about two times a week, you never have to worry about the rule. Okay, you'll trade no more than you're supposed to. Your accounts will build up. And then as your accounts build up, your confidence builds up, your money builds up, you'll go over that $25,000 threshold. And if you see more than two, you'll be able to trade more than two. One of the big, big, big problems that people face, if you trade too much, typically you're going to trade, you're going to do some crappy trades. If you do a crappy trade, it weakens your confidence. <coughs> if it weakens your confidence, you're not going to build the size of your trade. If you don't build the size of your trade, you end up staying at the same place for so long, and you don't really progress where you want to financially. Okay? If you'll understand, I mean, think about it. I see, um, how old are you? 32. 32. Anybody here younger than 32? You guys look. You guys need to work on it because <laughs> I'm just telling you. Yeah. How old are you? Thirty. Thirty. Twenty-nine. Twenty-nine. Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> but but I mean, but think all of you. Okay, twenty-nine years old. Okay, youngest here. Doesn't it seem just like five years ago? I mean, I mean, just like yesterday, you were twenty-four. All of you. Hey, mine feels like that for me. I understand, but, I'm saying, but, but all of you. I mean, but he's the youngest one, but all of you, yes? It goes fast. Okay, it goes fast, okay? If you will realize that, and then just sit there and understand, two trades a week, good quality trades, are going to get you where you want to go financially. Because your, your confidence grows, the size of your trades are going to grow, your ability to do this, your ability to see the trades, everything progresses exactly as outlined in class. But if you do a bunch of crappy trades, your confidence will wane, you'll stay at small dollar trades, 
and you'll be at small dollar trades five years from now. Going, I'll understand. You're, five years from now, we'll have a reunion of this group, and you won't want to come. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm just telling you, you won't want to come because there are going to be other people that are just going to be going, oh, we're making just thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and you're going to be still at the same crappy trading that you were when you started because you trade too much and you trade crappy trades. Think about it. If, if you're trading crappy trades and getting your butt kicked, it wouldn't be financially intelligent to increase the size of your trade. You understand? So the rule that's there is designed to make you trade less, but it should make you better. Okay? Don't freak out about it. Accept it. Live under it. It'll make you better in the long run. If you just focus on doing two trades, never more than three trades, in any five-day period of time. It isn't in a week. It's any five consecutive days. Okay? You never have to run into the rule. Your account will go over 25000 Once your account goes over 25000 you can trade as much as you want to you know, as far as the SEC goes. But even at that, the most successful students trade somewhere around five to ten trades per month on average. So, you know, just relax about it. Question number 11. Media genres, noise or nuggets? Uh, my name is Michael. I took the Richmond class in April, and uh, this is just a, out of the technical arena for a minute. Uh, there's just a lot of business press out there beyond just CNBC or even Mad Money, but Fortune, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Investors Business Daily, on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Do you pay attention to any of that kind of press? Or could you expand upon that, what well, we should pay attention to? You're supposed to be paying attention to Mad Money. Um, basically, um, the rule in the in, or the guideline in the manual is to record CNBC from four to six. Okay, you can stop the five to six. Uh, not that not that everybody shouldn't be listening to Cudlow. He has got a lot of great points, um, but there isn't as much about making money in the market as there is in Kramer's section in Mad Money. It used to be Cudlow and Kramer from four uh, from five to six. That's why we did five to six. Okay, but now they each have their own show. So Kramer is on from six to seven. So you should record from four to five and then six to seven, and use that for your news plays. Work off of that. Um, I don't get Investor Business Daily. Uh, we get Wall Street Journal. Um, now, to use it as a filler for when we ship CDs, um, I, I'm serious, it's a heart attack. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm serious, it's a heart attack. I mean, used to, I mean, the reason I, I started getting the Wall Street Journal was the page that you all got that said, for Widows and Orphans, that said Q charts from Lycos Incorporated and had the six different examples on there. Used to, the Wall Street Journal had an options page in there. And we just literally cut and pasted that out and, and, and went through exact examples that were out of that Wall Street Journal page. Okay, That page isn't there anymore. 
So we didn't end the subscription to Wall Street Journal. We just now get it and just wad it up and, and use it for filler uh, for shipping CDs so that you can get a piece of information about the stock market when we send that to you. But uh, I don't get Investor's Business Daily. Wall Street Journal is only for that. Uh, I don't watch any other um, financial programs. I get no other financial newsletters except for what you were told in class. Um, I experiment with them from time to time, uh, different ones, to see if there's something that you guys need to get. Uh, just as um, in your class when I told you um, about doing the ocean tide technique, I told you all about uh, channelingstocks.com, that you, should, you, you could and, and get that for that service. It's not on that list of internet things to get in the manual because I covered in that specific technique. But that was, again, something that I got to experiment with for that technique. It works, so it was recommended in class. What I would suggest all of you do is do only what you're told in class. Okay. Um, first of all, 99.9% of all that stuff is noise. Okay. And because it's it noise, most new people succumb to the noise. And I hear it all the time. I get emails from, from new students all the time. Oh, I got this nugget, and my email back to them is noise. You know, I mean, I mean that's the, it's a one-word email, noise. You know, um, Most of the stuff that you hear is noise on CNBC, on Bloomberg. It's noise. So that's true on any other financial stuff as well. It isn't important. It isn't necessary. It takes up too much of your time, you know. And it is, it is so um, is so much targeting your wallet rather than is your mind, you know, that it's just not necessary. It's not necessary. I don't do it, you know. Um, I don't read my local paper. I don't read the I don't read the the News and Observer. I haven't ever been a subscriber of a paper. And nothing but bad news and and, and there's no, there's nothing I care about in there. You know, it does nothing to enrich me in any way, shape, or form. I don't bother with it. Wealthy people don't read the newspaper. Okay, broke people do. Broke people do. I don't get the Wall Street Journal. I don't get the Investors Business Daily. Uh, I, I mean, I, I get, we get the Wall Street Journal, but it's filled for those CDs. I, I don't subscribe to anything else. Um, I experiment with different newsletters from time to time to see if there's anything worth using. And you know, if it's if it is, it'll make it into the course. And if it's not, you know. I, I'll have it for, for six months, I'll have it for a year, you know, to give it a whole good going over and it'll be discontinued, you know, because it's noise. It's noise. Um, they're just, um, um, there's so much of it that is just crap, you know. Um, I, I, I love getting newsletters I, and, and I got an online newsletter not long ago that, that gave you an alert. Every time they, they said buy something, yeah. So I pulled it up and pulled it up against all of my indicators, and it said buy, and I went, uh, no, it's going down. It wouldn't be a good time to buy it. 
you know, and, and they're going, buy, you got to buy, you got to buy. This is our, this is our best, best ever buy. You got to buy. I mean, it's dumb. You're, it's, nobody should buy that, you know. And so I watched it over the next five days, and it dropped $4, you know. And then they, they sent it out on another alert. Well, we really liked it five days ago, but by golly, at this price, we really like it. I thought, well, yeah, you can always be right eventually there, you know. But that was, you crush people $5 a share. Before you got to be right, you know, um, it, the newsletter was just crap, you know. Um, so, no, there isn't anything, nothing. I mean, it is so, it is so not about the noise. It is about your research. It is about the stock's history, the market's history, and what the chart's doing right now. And are we coming up on an event? You know, um, if you guys will focus on the events and do the research, this is easy to do. You know, if you don't focus on the events, you know, um, it, it's all research driven. You know, uh, in the events given added catalyst to the movement, up or down. It, it is so about the event and what the market's doing right now.